Welcome to Last Ones at the Bar, the best podcast that exclusively talks about the sport of boxing. My name is Wilton Henry, and I'm accompanied by Lavelle Jackson. And reporting live from the ATL is my main man, Daniel Lee. How we feeling, fellas? Feeling good, man. Just ready to go. I'll be great once this Yerba Mate kick in, but I'm I'm good, though. I'm good. I'm fully recovered from, from last night. Uh, I did a little yoga earlier, so I'm ready to get it in. Okay. He was out there. He, he was doing an A-Town stomp last night when he was out there partying. Something like that. That uh, bourbon A-Town stomped me. I'll tell you that. Oh, oh man. Yeah, he was, he was out there like Lorena after that uh, Dubois fight. Huh? <laughs> right. Now, yeah, man, you know, we, we, we're in December right now. Just just real quick, you, you guys have any, any plans, though, like upcoming for Christmas or anything? Well, normally, uh, I'm going to do what I, I normally do uh, every year. I, I go home back to you know, my family in, in Detroit, uh, spend Christmas with them. Plus, my anniversary is uh, next week. So normally for, it's about three weeks before Christmas, two, three weeks. Happy anniversary, good brother. Thank you, sir. Which year is this, man? Uh, it'll be six years. Oh, man, time flies. It, it does. Like, yeah, I was, talking about, I was talking to someone yesterday about it. Yeah, it just it, it doesn't seem that much time passed that fast. <laughs> like, but yep. Yeah. I still remember we was out there. What was that? That Robert Glasper show or something like that? And, and you was engaged at the time? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Robert. Shout out to Robert Glass, Glasper. That's my, that's my main man. <laughs> that was an amazing show, man. Yeah. But, but no, congrats to y'all, bro. Oh, thank you, sir. Yeah, man, it's good to hear. You know, I, I don't have anything, you know, set in stone just yet. Um, but, you know, it's good to hear, you know, what's going on with you. Uh, what about you, Danny? I just realized I forgot to answer the question. Um, yeah, I, so hey, and I forgot that you didn't say anything. <laughs> what you doing for Christmas, Daddy? What you doing for Christmas? <laughs> um, yeah, man, I'll be back here in about two and a half weeks. So um, flying back to Atlanta Wednesday before Christmas, and I'll be out here until just after New Year's. So I'm not like a huge holiday person, you know. What I mean, like in general, like they're cool, you know. I celebrate them, but you know, her and her family are big Christmas folks. And so I'll probably always be down here. You know what I mean? And she'll come up for Thanksgiving, you know, until we figure out the, well, we've already figured out the the long-term situation, but yeah, I'll be here for Christmas. Yeah, you might as well just go ahead and move down there though. You know what I'm saying? But you know, we, Bro, we that, was strike, plan. that was we, the plan, we, man. We, we can strike that off the air. We'll take that off the record. You understand what I'm saying? Um, but yeah, man, it's good to hear that y'all you fellas have you know plans already, you know, set in stone for Christmas, you know. Um now, but if you're looking for some good boxing talk, man, you look no further. You know, we we, we try to stay well rounded, you know, like the little little bootsy and David Ruffin haircuts. You understand what I'm saying? So let's go ahead and get to it. You know, uh, this past weekend, we had a, a lot of boxing to discuss. You had the fight card out there in the UK with the heavyweights, um, which was a trilogy. Then we had another trilogy with the legends in the lower weight classes and a few other bouts that took place. And then next week, we got a few fights um, that's going to take place on different fight cards. So let's go ahead and get these topics um, out here so we can discuss them. So let's go ahead and start with the heavyweights. Out there in the UK, like I said, you had Tyson Fury who's taking on his uh, good buddy, Derek Chisora. Uh, what did you think of that uh, fight yesterday, Avil? Man, I wish I had a friend like Tyson Fury, man. Give me a, you know, million-dollar payday. And be, and, you know, we can get in the ring and we hug it out like men, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so this fight, it, it was a dominating performance by Tyson Fury. Uh, you, would, it, you, you wouldn't mind getting lumped up like that too, though? You know what I'm saying? I mean, he did get lumped up, but, you know, and actually I'll get to that. He was getting lumped up. You know, Chisora was getting lumped up a, a lot in this fight. It's twofold because it's weird because I feel like Tyson Fury could have ended this like early, like in the fifth round, but he was having a little bit of mercy on Derek Chisora. But at the same time, I think that, you know, it worked against Chisora because he just in there just taking punishment. Sometimes it's, it's better to, you know, get somebody out of there and get, or if, if you're taking punishment, get put out of there instead of prolonging it and you, you end up taking, uh, punishment for about 10 rounds like like Chisora was taking so Chisora just like I, I, I thought he would he, he was he's just a slower version of himself he's more war-torn version of himself I mean he tried to do what he normally does which is uh you know try to get on the inside and and, and throw punches coming in 
it's just and uh Pieri, I mean, he knows he knows what Chisora is gonna do, you know. Um uh, uh he was basically just using his size at, at some points, clinching and leaning on Chisora, but also jabbing and sticking and, and, and moving. And really after the the first, uh, maybe the first or second round, you, you could tell you could look at Chisora and just look on his face, he just knew that he wasn't gonna win his fight. But Chisora is so is so much a a warrior that he, you know, he's not going to just give up or, or quit or anything. And it's, it's interesting. His corner, you know, uh, they, they kept on believing in him. So the ref had to, you know, step in, in, in the 10th round. The ref saw enough. It wasn't anything that was really like, like, it wasn't like Fury landed some dramatic combination. He was just putting a beating on Chisora and the ref was like, Hey, look, man, I, I just had enough. So, uh, Tyson Fury, he improves to 33 and 0 with 24 knockouts. Uh, Derek Chisora, he falls to 33 and 13 with 23 knockouts. So after the fight, um, you know, uh, Fury got on his pedestal and start, you know, looking at two guys, calling them out. Um, and this, and the two guys were Alexander Usyk and uh, and, and and Joe Joyce. So it's interesting because both guys came to the ring, and there was an interesting exchange between. Tyson Fury and, and Alexander Usyk, and and I don't know, man. I, I've seen that the, the look that was in Usyk's eyes. I've seen that look before, you know. And and, and Usyk, he, he has something about him, man. I think Tyson Fury should be wary of him. And Joe Joyce, I, I think that would be interesting to fight too, because Joe Joyce is like, you know, Jason Voorhees, like the Terminator, where you know he, he seems slow, but he just keeps coming. So that would be interesting to fight for Tyson Fury. But also, if you ever want to look on the internet, there was a, a, a post-fight dressing room talk between Tyson Fury and Derek Chisora. You know, they actually sat down like men. They talked it out like friends, you know, hugged it out. They talked about veganism. They talked about, you know, their wives and their kids. And, 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 and they took some pictures together, you know, and celebrated with their money. So... Uh, at the end of the day, you know, they shook hands like men. I, I mean, they don't have any ill will. And I, hopefully Derek Chisora can really look at where he wants to go from here. Because that, me personally, I'm tired of seeing Derek Chisora in these type of fights, taking punishment like this. And it's, it's, I don't think he's, he is what he is. He's not going to improve. So I, I call this, what, you know, the big little man because it was a big little fight. It was a, a fight between heavyweights, but still, I think that there was a bigger fight that was on, you know, last night, and we'll get to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I didn't really even care to see this fight, uh, to be honest with you. So I didn't rush home. You know, I saw it afterwards because it was, I don't like this type of fight. And the reason why I'm saying that, just sell me on something outside of with chummy, good buddies. And if you know each, combatant what you know is that Chisora at his best he fights better when he has a disdain for his opponent and I think that that's the reason why Fury he he has like that mental approach like his mental game is top tier he along with Alexander Usyk they they know how to um, size up their opponent and they use little tricks of the trade as far as the psychological battle uh, even before the their opponent enters the ring. And I think that that's something that Fury was doing with Chisora because you know Chisora, when he's got that little chip on his shoulder, he's always dangerous. And I don't even think he could build up the mental capacity to try to really put some serious hurt on Fury like he would if he had a disdain for his opponent. So I didn't like it going in. And, and I don't like the heavyweight division when you have fights like that, where we're friends and buddies, unless... You got two guys out there who can like knock your block off with one punch. Like you saw uh, Wilder in the Nordic Nightmare. Like they kind of had like this little like they were cool with each other, but at the same time they both meant business. And you could see that in the ring. Like that wasn't really going to impact the result of the fight. And I think that that kind of impacted the result of the fight. But anyway, um, what I saw yesterday, um, you got, you know, Chisora is durable. And, and that's one thing about him. And sometimes it's a little bit to his uh, detriment that he's so durable because he takes a lot of punishment. What I saw with Fury was that he came out and he was dropping that one-two on Chisora. And he was looking to get him out of there early. And it looked like from about rounds four through maybe eight, nine, 
it looked like he kind of let up on him a little bit too. He didn't want to do like hurt him, even though he still was putting some putting them pause on him because he had to do it in order just to make sure that he was, you know, getting the rounds in and then also that, you know, he wasn't going to put himself in any harm. Chasur fought hard and, and he did the best that he could, you know, under the circumstance. But that was like the least like wild Chasur that I ever seen. He seemed like a lot more tame, you know, maybe it's his age, maybe it's the the, the mental game um, and, or just all of the wars that he's been in. Now, as far as the punch stats are concerned, Fury the total punches, he landed 205 out of 480 at a 42.8% accuracy rate. And um, you had Chisora, he landed 87 out of 278 of his punches at a 31.5% clip. Now, I did see that Chisora did land 70 body punches against Fury, and that was the most body punches any fighter has uh, landed on Fury in the course of a fight. I just don't remember him fighting many guys who like to go to the body, you know, like that. Um, but, you know, I think that's something that, you know, if, if anything he can take from this fight and be happy about and proud of is that he did land that amount of body shots on Fury. And that's something that most fighters should attempt to do because you see Fury has that um, flap that's, that's around there. But it's not too many openings that he gives you. Fury, you can catch him, you know, here and there. But at the same time, you rarely see Tyson Fury get hit like with multiple shots, you know. So I think that in the end, Fury wasn't going to learn anything from this fight. It's just more so getting in the ring, staying active and, you know, just making sure that he's on point if and when he does face guys like Usyk and Joyce early next year. But that's all I saw because it really wasn't much else to, you know, review of this fight. What what you see, Danny? Yeah, I mean, to your point, this fight itself was a product of exactly what you said. Fury wanting to be active before the Usyk fight. And, you know, at first he had offered that voluntary defense to AJ and that didn't work out. And I think May with Char might have been next in line after that. That didn't work out. And then, so this is what we got from it, you know, and I, I felt like both men knew what it was coming into the fight despite what they may have said and so you know we got what we got you know I, I felt like I took notes for the second round and my notes pretty much applied to every round after that which was Fury's range he had like a what 11 inch reach advantage so that advantage and his boxing ability was just too much you know he would tee off on him and then sometimes Chisora would try to tie him up Fury would end up putting his weight on him and then push him off and go back to teeing off. Uh, he was getting through that guard with the one-twos. He was getting under that guard with the uppercut. And Chizora's, his only real chance was that overhand that he was throwing and missing so much because he had to put himself so far out of position to throw it that it was kind of easy to calculate for Fury. I, I think that, you know, it was good that Fury got the rounds in, but I don't think obviously he didn't expect to get injured. For what I saw, I think it's six to eight weeks. And so um, once he does that and recover, hopefully we'll get that Usyk fight maybe late spring. I don't know what they're going to do, but that would be nice. I respected that Joyce got up and put himself in the mix as well because he was there. And, you know, I don't blame him. Obviously, Usyk came up there and I didn't like that he came to the ring just to <laughs> just to, you know, kind of get cussed out in his face, you know, and not really say anything in return. But I also know that that's, you know, for what I've seen about Usyk, he's content doing that. You know, he don't say a lot anyway. And I think he's wanted to step up there and look him in his eye, really. But uh, we'll see. Obviously, the Usyk fight is what we want. But that Joyce fight is is interesting, too. The last thing I'll say is with regard to the body shots. I don't think that Fury really cared about the body, about getting hit to the body that much. Like when I saw, like, I think he left it open intentionally. And even though he has that flab, I think that flab is more so indicative of his diet and his lack of desire to really get toned in that area. But I think it's a lot of muscle there that people don't see. Like I remember my, my younger cousin, he grew up playing football 
And so, you know, he started lifting weights, middle school or whatever. And then in high school, he picked up wrestling. And so when he picked up wrestling as well, he cuts all this weight. All of a sudden, like he just looks like a almost like a whole different person. He went from looking like a, you know, kind of like a sort of flabby but stocky football player to like this cut wrestler. And he was like, man, the muscle was always there. I just had to cut for this sport, you know. And so I think that was the same thing with Fury. But I also think that when he fights someone like uh, Usyk, he's probably less likely to let him go to the body. So we'll see how that goes. But did you guys have anything else on this fight? Yeah, as far as the body is concerned, I think uh, um, Fury, some of that is hereditary. Like if you look at his physique, you know, some people have different physiques. He's, he's uniquely built. You know, and I, don't, yeah. I think that no matter how much he tries to target that area, he's still going to have, he's still going to be kind of round in that area, you know. Mm -hmm. But as far as the sword, I don't think guys who typically good body punchers, he was just taking what he could get, you right. know. Right. And when you have body punchers, now I don't know about Usyk. I wouldn't really overly be concerned if I was furious about him going to my body. I would be with Joyce, though, because... Mm -hmm. Chisora is one of those guys who wings his shots and he's just going to try to hit whatever he can. But you get hit, you know, solid by somebody who's throwing a much straighter punch and that's heavier handed in that regard, then that might be uh, troublesome in the future. But only thing I, else I want to say about this fight is I just don't like your because Fury is a top pound for pound caliber type of fighter. Now, some of it wasn't his fault, you know what I mean? Just based on how the heavyweight rankings have been going. I just wish if he was going to take a fight like this, that it would have been more digestible to like maybe more casual fans. See, I, I don't like, let, let's say for instance, you with your lady, right? And, you know, sometimes you want to check out some boxing and it's like, okay, okay, baby, we're going to go ahead and do this right here. But she know that boxing is your thing. But you sit up there, you're like, okay, watch this fight with me. I don't want her to have to watch something like that. And then she's going to be looking at me like, this is the sport that you like? Come on, we better go ahead and go to this movie. You know what I mean? Everybody going to sit up here. You know, I want a little bit more excitement or at least something that's going to garner the attention of, you know, more of a casual fan. That's all. If that makes sense. No, it makes sense. But if we don't have anything else, we'll move over to the other trilogy on the zone card. We had Juan Francisco Estrada, who fought Roman Chacatito Gonzalez for the third time on Saturday night. What was you guys' assessment on that fight? Oh, man. I, I love these two little dudes, man. You had Estrada in this fight. That was the best looking Estrada. Since I've seen, they, they had Estrada in the top 10 at one point. They've taken him out, but that's the best I've seen him since he, he got on the scene with me. Like, I wasn't really familiar with him. I was more so familiar with Chocolatito. And my recollection of Chocolatito was the fights that he had, like, Sora Rumbasai and when he was on HBO and they were hyping him up. But I never, after a while, I think it was during the pandemic, he was fighting Quadras. And I had a chance to see him. And I was pretty impressed with him, but he had got dropped. And then I went back and checked out some of his other fights. And I was like, okay, you know. But every time I would watch Estrada, he never had that extra little gear where I was like, I'm confident to have him in my top 10 pound for pound. He just so happened to, you know, with his resume and everything, he'll fall in there. But the first five, six rounds, that was very impressive. The work that he was putting in, um, the counter-punching ability, he was also taking a lead. He was just doing everything. Like, his offense was really good. His movement was good. He uh, kept Chocolatito guessing. And what I think that Estrada did, I don't know if he did this consciously or um, subconsciously, but when he pulled out of the this third fight, and Chocolatito took on his opponent. And Chocolatito was showing some of the different um, wrinkles, the new wrinkles that he was going to use. I think that Estrada was able to see that and be more prepared for it in this fight. So all in all, that first six rounds, Estrada was just, you know, I had, I think he won like the first five, six rounds. And 
just Chocolatito, I don't know. He was looking like he was his 35 years of age. Um, he just looked like he was a step behind, a little step slower than I, I was used to seeing him. And then all of a sudden, Chocolatito picked it up. You know, once he picked it up around maybe the sixth round, it was starting to get real, real close, uh, too close for comfort. You know, um, he was doing vintage Chocolatito stuff. It's like each guy impressed you when they were on the attack. When it was Chocolatito's time, he was vintage Chocolatito. When Estrada was 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 taking the lead, then he was vintage, you know, Estrada. And then it came down to the, I thought what Estrada did was I thought that he ended up giving the fight away. I was like, come on, man. Like, you know, I thought that he was he was taking a little bit of time off in order just to let Chocolatito shoot his load. But then he never got himself back into the fight, you know, and it started to get, you know, eerily close. You know what I mean? So I'm like, dang, um, is Chocolatito going to end up, you know, making this huge comeback, you know? And so the 12th round comes around and it looked like the 12th round was the round that whoever won that round was going to be victorious in this fight. My man, man, Estrada came out. He had all types of energy. He was putting it on Chocolatito, doing a wonderful display of boxing, counterpunching, leading. All of the things that you saw in that first five, six rounds, he was putting it on display in the 12th round. And so he came away with a very close victory. I kind of knew when it went to the decision that even though it was close, it could have went either way. I think Estrada won this fight. Like Out of all of the fights, like the, the last two, he more definitively won this one than he did the last fight, although this fight was close. If I go back and I score it, then, you know, it may appear to me that Chocolatito may have won this fight because he won a lot of those mid to late rounds. Um, but I, I haven't been able to go back and score. But when it went to the scorecards, I was thinking that Estrada was going to get it. It just seemed like Chocolatito never gets the nod in those close fights that he's in. But Man, this is a beauty, man. I, I I really appreciate both guys because they put it all on the line. You look at their resumes. They're not afraid of anybody. Some fighters, we trying to get, just get them to get in the ring once. They talking about having a four fight. And th this is some high quality stuff that you see, that offense that Chocolatito brings to the table, man. You get on the inside with him and you're not moving around well. He's going to like land, you know, those combinations of vintage Chocolatito combinations and Estrada that counterpunching ability, that movement, that endurance, you know, they, they just made for each other. So if they do decide to do a four fight, you know, I'll definitely be tuned in. Um, and lastly, I hear that Estrada, he's saying that he wants the four fight, but also if he can't get the four fight, he's looking for the monster in a new way. Now, I don't know. He looks a little small for the monster, but that would be the most highly skilled opponent that, a new way has faced that I recall that, that, that can, you know, combination punch, counter punch. I just don't know if he'll be able to take a new way shots because he, they don't call him a monster for nothing, for nothing. Um, but that's what I saw, man, you know, two, two uh, Titans out there, you know, I know they're little men, but at the same time, these dudes are our are, are legends. So for this fight, we saw another fight with two friends, you know, they, 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 they said before, even during the fight, like, well, during the fight, the commentators mentioned that Estrada and, and Gonzalez, they're on good terms. You know, they went out, they hung out with each other. You know, they probably ate some food, hung out with their wives and everything. But when that bell rings, that's the difference between them and, and Fury and Tesoro. When that bell rings, these guys are going at it. And I like this fight because you did, like you said, uh, Will, you saw the best of, of, of both men at times. You saw things that they do which defines them and makes them really really good the first five rounds i mean estrada is, is full arsenal was on display I, i'm not sure if i like the commentaries saying that he you know how he learned how to fight off the back foot or something like that it's something that estrada i think always been pretty good at I, I just think that he really worked on it for this fight i mean he was using some great defense great movement chocolatito was just a step behind seemed flat, seemed, you know, oh, a little bit old, like he just had, didn't warm up right or was overtrained. Um, but one thing I did like that Chocotito's corner did was they got involved right away. They didn't lie to him and say, hey, you're doing good or you, you're going to just warm up, wait, and, and, and uh, or Estrada's going to get tired. They didn't say none of that. They said, hey, look, man, we, we worked on this. We need to go now. You can't be losing, you know, rounds like this. And that's what you need from a, a, a trainer, you know, we, 
we've seen trainers give bad advice. And I think that the, the thing I like about Chocolatito is he responded, you know, you can see him responding in stages. Like he didn't really respond right away, like in the way you would like to, but you can see that like urgency. So about the, the, the fifth, sixth round, Chocolatito kind of woke up, was doing, you know, Chocolatito things, uh, landing them combinations and body shots and shots to the head. And uh, Estrada was kind of, you know, slowing down, standing in the pocket more with them, hanging on the ropes more, which is, you know, just opening them up for, the, for those Chocolatito shots. Um, but I think Estrada kind of, like you said, Will, Estrada basically won this fight in the, in the 12th round, where I also was looking at this fight like, man, this 12th round, whoever wins this is going to win win this fight. Even though I scored this fight, maybe a draw, and maybe I had Chocolatito uh, just one round ahead, but that's it. I mean, this is a close fight. And I could see a, a better case for Estrada winning because he did so much great work and was winning this, his rounds more clearly in the first half. But one of the things that did impress me about Chocolatito is him really trying to turn this fight around and responding. And that's something that I like to see in fighters, you know. So, uh, you know, a fourth fight is being discussed. You know, I'm all here for seeing a fourth fight between these two guys uh, because even though, you know, Estrada won this fight, more clearly than the, the second fight, they're still so evenly matched that anything can happen. Like, you, you're not for sure that he'll win the fourth fight, you know? So, a great performance by Chocolatito and, and Estrada, and congrats to Estrada. He, he'll probably enter back onto the pound for pound list. Uh, he definitely deserves it. Uh, it's time that we start giving these little guys some respect, put some respect on their because they big titans. Yeah, look at that boy in there. He's getting it in. You know what I'm saying? What I'm saying? Look at the little guy up. Guy, you're a bad boy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you need to go ahead and take Loma out of the top 10. They got him still at number six. They tripping. Put that boy up in there, man. And go ahead and get that smoke with a new way. I don't mind it. You know, if you can move and groove like that for 12 rounds, then you can beat anybody. I just, the only thing is, is, and he has a chin. You know, he's been in there with sore run sign guys like that, but that's a little bit different when you got the monster. The monster can hit you from multiple angles that, Sorromasai, you just can't let Sorromasai plant those those feet. You let him plant those feet, and he can dig a shot in you and get you up out of there. Where the monster is just is is just such a so much quicker where he can get to your chin than a Sorromasai. But as far as the power, I think Sorromasai may have more power than than a new way. But just the angles that a new way is going to come from. But, you know, get a man what he want, man. You deserve it, you know. Hopefully, I, I would like to see him get a four fight against Chocolatito first before he decides to, you know, um, dare to be great, if you will, you know. But all in all, man, I love these two guys, man. Like I say, man, you got four potentially four fights against these dudes, you know, or these dudes fighting against each other. You know, they got a pretty good rapport, you know. Like you say, they went out and went fishing together and stuff. But all in all, they getting that ring. They putting them paws on each other, man. And that's what it's all about. Shout out to those, those little fellas. So also last night, we had another uh, heavyweight fight uh, between Daniel Dubois. He took on Kevin Lorena. Uh, what are you guys' thoughts on this the, the action-packed fight that we saw last night? Yeah, I was able to watch this kind of in passing. So I'll let you guys kind of analyze more of it. But from what I saw, a few things. So on one hand... You know, we, we know that Dubois got the knockout in the third round. Um, it concerned me that he was so there to be hit. And the things that he was saying, you know, he switched trainers before his last fight. And so for all of what they were saying when he switched trainers and about this head movement and you're about to get a new Dubois, I still haven't seen that. And it concerned me even more, you know, after the fight, he said he felt a bit rusty. He felt like he wasn't there at points. And on one hand, it's like, okay, we can write this off as him saying, okay, this wasn't the best Dubois and I'll be better next fight. But on another hand, it's like, you felt rusty. You know, you're 25 years old and your last fight was in June. It wasn't even that long ago. And so I can understand him not being there at points, but to say you're rusty when you're 25 and you just fought this year, it's not like he had like some kind of long layoff. It just makes me wonder, like since that Joyce fight, he's been in the place where he's been kind of still trying to find his way back to where he thinks he should be. And so what I'm starting to wonder now is 
are we going to actually get something behind the words that he's saying, you know, in terms of like, I'm going to be this new Dubois. I know I'm better than this. Or is this just who he is? And so, you know, obviously he got the job done, but for him to have been, you know, such a highly touted, I don't know if I would say prospect, but to have been working his way up the way he did and, you know, the way he's looked in the last few fights, I'm just not sure. But I'll let you guys cook more on the analytics of the fight itself. Yeah, yeah. I thought some of the same things you thought, Danny. Like, of course, he's he's always going to be hittable. The thing I don't, I, don't, I don't like is the way he looks when he does get hit. It's just it's something about it. Uh, along with the the, the Joe Joyce, at first I, I gave him credit, you know, not credit, but I understood him, you know, opting out of that fight uh, from an eye injury like that. But at the same time, his response in this fight, like not that it's like a, a mental thing where it's like bad or anything, but I didn't like the way, especially the second knockdown where it was it was kind of a, a delayed response where he was hit and he threw a punch, then took a knee, so in some sense it's kind of smart because it gave him some time to recover he was able to put that you know one two together uh around in, in the third round and really hurt Lorena and and the good part about it, the positive part is that he was able to turn his fight around and 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 stop Lorena pretty much in the next two rounds which is that part is impressive you know Dubois obviously has power uh he obviously knows how to turn it up and use it and finish guys uh but, because the way it was going, I mean, the longer Lorena sticks around, it, it looked like the Bob was going to win a decision. If it kept going on, he was always going to be at risk of being hurt. So it, it was an action-packed fight, um, good performance by Dubois. It really turned this around, but it's still some concerns, though. But that's what I saw in this fight. Uh, what, you, what are your thoughts, Will? Oh, man, it's a great fight, man. I, I really was pleasantly uh, surprised at what I saw. I wasn't expecting much coming into this one because uh, Lorena was basically a hand-picked, cherry-picked opponent for Dubois that almost went wrong. You know, it's almost one of those cherry picks that, that that went wrong. But, you know, once he clocked Dubois in that first round with that left, he didn't respond well to it. And um, like you fellas mentioned, got knocked down three times in that first. And Lorena, the thing about him is he didn't go for broke in the second. And you would think uh, with this fight being one in which could take him to new heights, you know what I mean? Like this would be a blockbuster victory for him. It would ensure him another huge payday. I don't know if he got paid much for this one, but it would ensure him a payday. But you would go for broke in those circumstances when you got a, a basically a newbie in front of you who's um, like deer in the headlights after he was hurt. And you know, you wouldn't know how he's going to respond, you know, when he was still a little shaky in a second and Dubois was able to like box and hold and, you know, do what he needed to do in the second round in order to get his faculties back. So all in all in the fight, man, if you're looking at the good, the bad and the ugly, I think the good thing for Dubois is that he went through some adversity and he was able to overcome it, you know, unlike he did against Joyce you know, when he couldn't overcome the eye injury. But in this fight, it looked pretty grim for him, and he was able to, you know, come back. And, and that's what you want to see in a pugilist. You know what I mean? Don't give up. You know what I mean? It's always – you always one punch away. And I think that the bad in this fight was Lorena not taking advantage of that opportunity that he had and not going for broke in the second round, giving Dubois an opportunity to get his, get his faculties back. And then the ugly is – he's fighting and getting hurt. And that's Dubois against a former cruiserweight. You know, the size differential was just huge. You know what I mean? Like Dubois is a big guy, but he looked even bigger yesterday because his opponent, like I say, was a former cruiserweight. And it just doesn't look good for you. And it doesn't bode well for you because it's a lot of heavy hitters in that heavyweight division. And if you're getting, you know, clipped and hurt by a smaller man like this, I don't know what's going to happen when you get hit by Joyce in a, in a rematch, if you ever get it. If you get hit by Deontay Wilder, Ruiz, Ortiz, you know what I mean? Those guys can knock you out with one punch, and they're heavyweights. So, like I said, that was the good and the bad that I took from this and the ugly. Anything else you have uh, when it comes to uh, my man, man, Triple D, a.k.a. Frank Bruno Jr.? <laughs> Frank Bruno. <laughs> hey, hey, don't disrespect <laughs> Frank Bruno like that. <laughs> That's his little son, you know what I'm saying? Like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> what can you do? But, uh, yeah, anything else you guys got, man, you know, it was an entertaining fight, man. I don't, I don't know. You know, we're going to be coming up with our 
or awards later this month. And, um, you know, that's up there for fight of the year, you know. We can go ahead and go into our prediction uh, segment uh, that we do. We got about three fights that we're going to make predictions on. It's going to, on fights that's going to take place December 10th. We got, um, I mean, you know, just, you know, and I'm not even going to make fun of this fight. I'll just go ahead and say this, that you got a fighter who's pound for pound, number one caliber type talent um, is going to be in action next week in Omaha, you know, on a relatively unknown platform in Black Prime. He's going to be taking on, I would say, a, a tough veteran, more so like a trial horse for up and coming fighters. But he will be facing uh, Terrence Crawford, and that's David Avanesian, a.k.a. Avi or Ava. Uh, what do you guys see or think is going to happen? What's the most likely scenario that's going to take place next week when these guys tangle out there in Omaha, Nebraska? All right. So looking at these guys, you know, Bud Crawford, 38, no 29 knockouts, five foot eight, 74 inch wingspan. Uh, he's coming off a, a TKO victory over uh, Showtime Sean Porter. Uh, also has wins over, you know, Kell Brook and, and the Mean Machine. Um, he's taking on David Avanesian, 29 and 3 and 1 with 17 knockouts, 5 foot 8 with a 68 inch wingspan. Avi, he also lost to, to, to Mean Machine and also uh, Lamont Peterson. He has a win over an, an, an older uh, Shane Mosley. Uh, so looking at this fight, I think, you know, looking at Terrence Crawford, uh, as, like you said, Will, you know, pound for pound, top, you know, one type of talent, you know, a lot of boxing IQ switch hitter you know uh one of the the best jabbers in the game but he can fight you know out of orthodox or southpaw and he's equally good in each each uh stance it's not really one that he's really better at if he is you would say southpaw by margin uh he got a pretty pretty good snap on punches uh where where, where he uh you know can catch guys with these awkward you know punches and and, and get them out of there uh great finisher David Avanesian, he basically um, one of those guys, tough guy, but more so um, built for a guy like he's built for an up and comer like uh, Ortiz or Boots to, to, to test themselves. Uh, but he, over the last few years, he did have kind of a career resurgence because uh, there was a time after his, his, his uh, few losses that, you know, a lot of people kind of wrote him off and thought he was done. But, you know, he, he's a tough guy. He likes to exchange which I think is going to be kind of his downfall against someone like Crawford. It could serve him in some parts, but be his downfall in others. So in this fight, I think, you know, Crawford is going to try to get some rounds in and, and, and uh, shake some of the, the cobwebs off. So I, I do think there'll be about two to three rounds. The first two or three rounds will be the most interesting. And I think that's when Abinishian will have a, a, you know, a good shot to make things happen. And we know that, you know, Bud is more hittable in the, in the, in the first few rounds. And also, uh, some, at some points, he has shown he can be hurting and, and, and have a, a chin that's kind of shaky, at, you know, sometimes. It's just that once he warms up, uh, he just turns into this dog. So I think that's kind of how his fight is going to play out. I think the first two or three rounds will be interesting. But once uh, Crawford, you know, settles in, in, in his groove, uh, I think he, he is going to try to get some rounds in and, and box a few rounds. So I, I see him stopping uh, Avedesian about the eighth round. He, like I said, he's going to get some rounds in, but once he starts hurting Avedesian, I think it's going to happen around, you know, midway into the fight. That's when he's going to step on the gas and, and, and stop him. So what do you guys think? So the guy lost to Lamont Peterson, lost to me, Machine Kavalaskis, a fighter that Bud knocked out. So why in the f are we having this fight is what I'm trying to figure out. But anyway, this is, this is um, what I would call a ridiculous matchup in a sense that I, I just never seen this before in a sport of boxing where you have like the fight that everybody is clamoring for. And then you have one of the combatants just, you know, leave negotiations to fight a fighter that most people have never heard of. Now, boxing fans or true purists know who David Avenesian is, but this is any other fighter that's in this, this um, situation, this would be considered a duck throughout the history of boxing. You know what I mean? I don't know. We may have like a new wave of fans who 
are okay with these type of things taking place. And I don't necessarily have a problem with Bud even taking his fight. It's just the way he went about doing it. You know what I mean? You leave negotiations. Um, you 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 talk about how you know disgruntled you are about certain things. You know within those negotiations, if you don't do that, if you have this fight and you continue those negotiations, you just say, you know, I'm taking me a two no fight. Boom. You know the negotiations was taking too long, but I got to get me a fight in. You know in order to just be on my you know a game. You know for that matchup because I'm gonna go ahead and whoop that dude. I just don't. I just want to make sure I'm. You know, I have all everything flowing properly. Then it, it, I think anybody would be able to accept this and, and they would be able to digest this, this matchup uh, much better. But it's just the way things are going, the way Bud is moving right now, talking about, I don't know if the Spence fight is going to take place. Then he's talking about um, fighting Charlo. You know, they, he, they talk about Spence now. And he says, I don't know if we're going to be able to get the fight. Then they mention Charlo. Oh, I kick his ass. But then hold on. So then you start thinking, well, he can't really fight Charlo because Charlo has a so all of those type of things. He's moving funny. And it's it's alarming to see this with such a talented guy. When you think about Bud Crawford, he's a complete bar. So I was just checking him out earlier in that Crawford fight. The guy has so much ability that you would think that he would be have his chest poked out, like bring him all on. He's that good, folks. This dude, boxing IQ is is like excellent he uh could pretty much do it all he can apply pressure he can counter punch he's defensively man, uh, has the defensive maneuverability um he can end fight he shoots power shots from different angles he's a tremendous finisher you know and he's a quality switch hitter probably the best switch hitter in boxing so with those type of accolades and those type of uh abilities i should say those type of skills you would want to see somebody who was willing to take on all comers and not continue to fight these type of fights. When it comes to David Avenesian, um, he typically, for the most part, now I've seen that he has some knockouts more recently, but when I've seen him in his bigger fights, like the Josh Kelly fight, he typically starts slow. And even in that fight, Josh Kelly was like giving him everything he can handle. He could not mess with Josh Kelly for the first two, two and a half rounds. Josh Kelly might be top 10 pound for pound in the world if he only had to fight two rounds. But after that, he just kept um, coming forward. He kept, oh, and he got caught. Is either the first or second round. He almost got, Josh Kelly almost got Avenition out of there. Um, it was looking bad for him, but he, he gassed like around the latter part of the third round. And then it was all downhill from there. Avenesian started to um, build up some steam, a head of steam, and he got him out of that fight about the sixth round, I believe. The, the problem Avenesian's going to have in this fight is this, is that Bud has that, that reach where I think he has, it's either him or Boots, or they both, or they both equal in reach, where they both have 74-inch reach. So with that being said, you're in punching range a lot of times when you typically wouldn't against most opponents and he can land pretty powerful shots from weird angles. And that's going to be the problem that Avenesian is going to have in this fight. I think that they both are pretty much slow starters, but, Bud will pick it up if you clip him. like if you clip him and hurt him, then he's, he's going to like come back at you and he's going to try to get his, get his lick back, you know, get some get back. And that's what he typically does. So I don't know if Avenesian, Avenesian really isn't that big of a puncher. And then Bud, I don't know. He, he seems to have one of those type of Tommy Hearns type of chins where minus like Tommy Hearns, you can knock Tommy Hearns out. I don't know if Bud chin is that bad, but he can get wobbled. Like you will see that his legs will like buckle a little bit, but at the same time, he gets back real quick and he has that, Man, his maneuvering ability is just top notch. You know what I'm saying? That's why I'm saying it's just so surprising, so per perplexing to see him continue to take these limited um, opposition opponents on a consistent basis when you would think with those skills that he has that he should be able to do away with anybody um, at any given time. And why would you continue to do this at your age? Because those type of dimensions that you have those skills that you have some of them may erode around this time and the more you put things off then the more 
likely or the, the more you're going to give other fighters an opportunity to, to pick you off. So, um, but with that being said, I think that what's going to happen, both guys are relatively slow starters. I don't anticipate Avanesian being able to get to Bud early because he really, like I say, doesn't have that type of pop um, typically. It's just more so when he builds that head of steam and then he starts to like wear you down then he's he's able to get guys out there. I don't see that happening. So I'm thinking that Bud is probably going to start picking up. He typically, like around rounds four and rounds five, that's when he kind of has everything figured out. He he, he adapted. He's adapted and he, he uh, calculated the data. So I'm thinking in this one, he'll calculate the data um, and around round four and then maybe about round six, round seven. So I'll say seventh round that he'll do away with David Avenesian. What about you, Danny? Well, first of all, I want to give you props for thugging that prediction out, Will. I know I know how you felt about the fight as well, documented on his very platform. You know what I you, mean? So and tough that one out. Yeah, tough that one out. Mind if I say one thing, Danny? You got it. I was going to say the more I started to look at this fight through the lens of a prediction and putting both guys together it does make sense to a certain degree i just don't like how it was like negotiated and like it coming out of you know nowhere you know when we had our mouth salivating over the spits and and Crawford fight, and then just like I say, out of nowhere, we get the Avenesian, then you have Buck complaining about what was taking place during negotiations. I didn't like that part of it, but when I look and I see what Avenesian does, because sometimes he's fighting out of that left-hand stance and he's pressuring. So who else is Buck going to fight that's going to do that? That would be Spence. So this is a good kind of like tune-up, not that he's like anywhere near Spence, but just, you know, preparing for a guy who's going to pressure, pressure, pressure and being prepared for that style, it makes sense. But at the same time, it just didn't make sense how he went about doing it. Yeah, no, I'm 100% with you. You know what I mean? But I'm going to get mine out the way. So, you know, there's a lot on the line for Bud here. The two most important things for him as a boxer in this fight is, one, for the pay-per-view to do well, so he has some kind of leverage, theoretically, going back into those Spence negotiations. But I'm going to tell you right now, the, the, the pay-per-view would not do well. So the next biggest thing that he can control is how good he looks in this fight. It's almost like there's some degree of pressure. He's probably not going to feel it, but I'm sure he's hearing it. There's some degree of pressure to get Avanesian out of there quick because the boxing public believes that he never belonged in the ring with him in the first place. Rightfully so. Now, like you said... Well, Crawford usually spends those first few rounds downloading. I think he will expedite that process a little bit, uh, maybe by a round or two, and will look to overwhelm Avanesian early. I think that if Avanesian can catch him coming in, he'll be able to keep him off of him for a while, but I don't think that that's going to actually happen. I'm just saying what I think he'll maybe try to do. But honestly, I can see Crawford... Because they're both relatively slow starters, I can see Crawford pretty much seeing what it is and feeling the need to expedite this process and getting the better of him and overwhelming him early. And I could see the stoppage going down. I could see it in the fifth, but I must say I'm, I'm stuck between the fifth or the sixth. But I'm gonna say I must say the sixth. I think he'll stop him in the sixth. What else we got next week? We got oh. Tia Fimo is going to be in action next week. Now, like Bob Aram, see, I, I don't know if Black Prime, if they, I think they made a mistake because Tia Fimo typically fights on the Heisman Trophy uh, contest weekend and he's doing it again. And then what Top Rank is doing is they rolling out, they putting out all of the stops, man. They got all of the young guns on that fight card. Keyshawn, they got this... Um, Everybody, you know what I mean? Big baby, you know what I mean? Just anybody that you can name on their roster is pretty much on that card. So that's another thing that Terrence Crawford is going to be going up against. But on the, the main fight on that card is going to be the takeover, Teofimo Lopez. He's going to be fighting the uh, Mikey Garcia assassin, Joe Martin. Uh, what you guys think? Who, who, do you, who do you think is going to take this? 
Yeah, this is an interesting fight when I look at both guys. Uh, Tiafimo Lopez, 17 and 1, 13 knockouts, uh, 5 for 7 with 68 inch wingspan, but don't let those attributes fool you because Lopez is a big boy. He was, a, he was big at 135, and even at 140, you see him, you know, filling out a bit. Uh, very stocky guy, you know, uh, when you look at his uh, forearms and stuff like that. So, big guy. Has wins over Vasily Lomachenko, Richard Comey, and Austin Nakatani, uh, but also has that loss to uh, George Cambosis. He's taking on Lander, Sander Martin, who uh, beat Mikey Garcia. Uh, that was kind of his claim to fame. Uh, 40 and 2 with 13 knockouts, 5 for 7 with a 69 inch wingspan. Uh, but he also lost to uh, Anthony Can You Dig It? Yig It. So um, looking at these two guys, Lopez, boxer, puncher, really, he was a really big puncher at 135. Um, I mean, he, he took out a lot of guys early, like Richard Comey, who, you know, even though Comey gets hurt a bit, he, he never got took out that quick, taken out that quick. He's very danger, dangerous when he's hungry, but sometimes he kind of gets complacent and sometimes can, can, has a uh, tendency to overlook you know, certain caliber of fighters, uh, like Sander Martin. Sander Martin, uh, he has good eyes. He has pretty good reflexes. His, his defense is kind of his feet. He, he moves very, very well. Um, uh, loves to counter punch. The only thing that I, that chose me in this fight with Teofimo Lopez is that Sander Martin, sometimes, even though he's on the move, he's very comfortable in the heat of battle and he can get caught like in these exchanges. And that's very, kind of dangerous against Tiafimo Lopez but to Martin's credit it, it can also help him because he can also catch Lopez in those exchanges and be kind of awkward in a similar way that George Kimbosa is, uh, is even though Santa Martin is more a, a mover and doesn't really he's not going to just stand right in front of Tiafimo Lopez so one of the questions going to this fight that, that's going to need to be answered is can Tiafimo Lopez hurt Sander Martin and that, and yes, Lopez is a, a a strong puncher, but you know this is a new weight class. This is, is one forty, and Sander Martin is a he's a he's the type of one forty guy that can fight between one forty and one forty seven. You know he's a you know pretty big guy. He's probably used to guys at this weight class. So I see this fight going the distance. Um, I think Lopez may hurt uh, Sander Martin, but he's not going to stop him. So I think that. Tiafimo Lopez will win a unanimous decision over Sander Martin. So what do you think going to happen, Will? Okay. So we got my man, man, T.O. You know, he's coming up uh, in his second fight at 140. You know, he's coming off a pretty pretty good victory against Pedro Campo. He's starting to feel himself, you know, got comfortable and acclimated to the 140-pound weight class before he TKO'd him. And so I thought that was a good fight just to shake things out, you know, in his new weight class against a pretty sturdy opponent in Ocampo and Pedro Ocampo. Tiafimo, he brings to the table, man, very talented fighter. You know, I, I, the one thing that I don't like about Tiafimo is that he used a lot of excessive energy and movements that I don't think he necessarily have to. And when he fights against better competition, guys who don't waste their movements, I think he's going to uh, exert a lot more energy than necessary, which could lead to uh, him fatiguing and tiring. And, you know, at that elite level, you just don't want to give anybody an opportunity to have anything, you know, on you in order to be able to, you know, get a victory, you know, against you. And, and that's something that I noticed. I noticed that in a lot of his fights, but more so uh, recently against Orcampo, but it didn't result anything adverse because just Pedro just wasn't talented enough to take advantage of those opportunities. But I think if the fight lasted a little bit longer, then perhaps it may have been a problem, but again, very good, good fighter, man. He's very talented. He has uh explosive power, especially at 135. I didn't see it necessarily against Campo, but I can't tell Campo was pretty durable, but he did, he was able to get him out of there eventually, but that power comes mainly in that right hand. Um, and Every so often, T.O., he can get hit a little bit, too, um, because he can, like, his defense kind of lapses a little bit, or he has those times when he's not focused. And, you know, you can get tagged a little bit, especially once he starts to get fatigued. And he's a natural counterpuncher. You know, he, he has that shoulder roll that he likes to do. And due to his speed and, and his Philly Shield stance, 
you know, sometimes he's able to counter guys really well, you know, as they come in, a la when he knocked out Kome or he he got Kome in trouble and then, you know, got him out of there. Um, but yeah, man, he's an athletic, powerful guy, you know, in the ring. And I think he's going to get stronger and better at 140. When it comes to Sander Martin, I've gotten a little bit more impressed with him. I saw him in his last fight. I can't remember the guy's name that he fought, but when you look at him, he's old school. And when you see the way he fights and sometimes his head is stuck in the air, you're like, man, somebody's going to blast this dude out of there. But it's one of those situations where it's so blatant that guys can't take advantage of. It's like, you don't really practice against somebody who has their head in the air like that. And it's like, you're not, somebody's not going to clip this dude and clock him, but it's just like, he's always just slightly out of reach. So if he's been able to get away with that for 40 plus fights and Teofimo didn't look nearly as powerful in his last fight as he did in his um, fights at 135, I can see it going a distance. You know what I mean? I, I can't see Martin winning. And the reason why I can't see him winning is because I can't see you beating two top guys. You know what I mean? I don't think that TFM was going to take you that light, like um, like uh, Mikey Garcia did. So I think that this will go 12, but I can't pick Martin, you know, beating Tiafimo when you lost to Anthony. Can you dig it? Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? So I got my man, man, Tio. You know, going 12 full rounds, and then it's going to be on to bigger and better things for the takeover. Real funny. He was like, man, what round, man? What round are you going to get him in? He's going to make a decision like I did. <laughs> no, I, 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 know, I, I, I know, I know you was, but yeah. <laughs> I, I just wanted to be sure. But uh, again, when I when I reviewed Sander Martin, I saw the Yigit fight. Somebody was in there taking, you could really couldn't see it that well. But I seen him progressively getting better. Now, I still think that if Mikey had his antennas up, he would have got him out of there. But he does certain things that mitigates what you like to do. You know what I'm saying? Like, he'll, he just doesn't have any power. But he'll hit you enough where you're not just going to be reckless. And Tiafimo is getting adjusted to 140. So, now, I can see Tio getting him out of there because Tio might get to the point where he just don't respect him. And he go in there and then he he right a tap tap that chin. I just I don't see Tio doing that though. Like he doesn't really fight like that. So I can see it going 12. Yeah, I can see him getting him out of there too. But like you said, I mean, that's the most immediate concern for me. Martinez lack of power. You know, Tio, he's the younger, bigger guy. Although Martinez is a career 140 pounder. He's a slick southpaw who could give him trouble, but Tio has the benefit of already having fought a slick southpaw who could give him trouble in Lomachenko and in that fight I thought he worked the jab well and I could see him looking to work behind the jab this time around as well and their reach is about the same so it's going to be important for both fighters to be vigilant about keeping that lead foot outside of the other's lead foot so their jab can get to them quicker I think that if Teal can do that and get down to the body effectively the worst case scenario is the decision win. And that's where I think he could potentially stop him, especially if that body work gets in there. I think Mark uh, Martin's key to victory is beating him to the jab, which is going to be tough because he's not a huge jabber. His other key, which will have to be the most likely scenario based on what I've seen from him, is to time Lopez coming in and take advantage of those moments where T.O. is not as active because he does have these moments of like inactivity in between working behind that jab. But all in all, I think that T.O. will put together the most solid body of work over the course of 12 rounds, and he'll win by unanimous decision. You guys have anything else on this one? No. no, no, We're just looking forward to that fight card. That's what I'll be tuning into, that top rank. You know, Bob Arum. You know, Bob Arum, my guy. (laughs) (laughs) That was for sure one of y'all is going to pick a knockout in this fight. And I was like, yeah, yeah. It can happen. Like like I say, it it can happen because, like I say, like that the lack of power, and then take a look at that boy, man. That that chin is up there in the air, and I don't. And and also, you got to take a look at this. Look at his resume. Like, what's going to be fighting anybody? Like, he got a whole bunch of tomato cans on that resume, you know, with the exception of Mikey. 
Yeah, I said in the previous episode, you know, one of the things I look at when I when I look at fighters stepping up in competition is what what country, if they're not from this country, where have they fought internationally? And a lot of his first, I don't know, 39 fights, they were all in Spain. You know what I mean? And so it's like, yeah, you probably one of the better to come out of Spain in that weight class. But it's like, you know, once you step up, that's that's where it gets tricky. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That said, we're going to move over to the card that it's actually not next weekend. It's going to be, I believe, December 13th. Uh, but the monster will be returning. This is for all the marbles at the 118-pound division. In a way, he's going to be fighting Paul Butler. How do you guys see this playing out? Well, you got the monster, man. I, I don't have his record in front of me. One of you guys probably have that information uh, readily available. But you got a champion in different weight classes. He's been um, like unified champion in several weight classes. He, you know, Anoue has incredible athleticism. He's one of those guys that applies tremendous amounts of pressure and he has a nice jab, able to counter punch. He can create openings. He has that signature left hook to the body, to the head. And like I always say, I like Felix Trinidad. So when it comes to offense and just, and he showed me something in those fights against Donaire, you know what I mean? Like I said, even though Donaire is an elder statesman, the, the fight that they had, a new way Donaire won, he showed me some different wrinkles that he had in his game where he's just a, a, a master when it comes to offense. It's To me, it's either him or Crawford who are like the most fantastic offensive fighters that we have. Crawford just can do everything, you know, but a new way, man, he's a thing of beauty to watch and just how powerful he is with those explosive shots that he throws. Now, when it comes to Butler, it's kind of like um, ODB when he said, uh, introducing F that dude's name. You remember that part, Bill? Yeah, yeah. Drop on your head like rain. And when it rains, it pours. Yeah, that, right. that part, yeah. So the, the point I'm saying is Paul Butler, you don't even have to worry about this dude, man. He's a good little fighter, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know how he got his belt. You know, it may have been against Emmanuel Rodriguez. I don't know. But he's just, like I say, he's a good little fighter. But he's no the, – the, the skill level between the two is just ginormous, man. And when it's all said and done, I can't see this fight going past three rounds. So – I'm not even going. He's just a good little basic fighter, you know, and you can't be as vulnerable as he is. Um, you can't be as basic as he is. You know, as I watch him fighting against Emmanuel Rodriguez, Rodriguez is getting off some shots on him. And if he gets touched up by a guy like that, I can just imagine a new way with his accuracy, with his power, his speed, precision. It's going to get ugly. It's going to get ugly early. It may not even go three, but I'm going to give him three since he has a belt. But uh, I'll say the monster in three, man. Like This is pretty bad right here. Maybe one. <laughs> <laughs> it could very well be, to be honest with you. Hey, hey. Yeah, so in a way, 23-0, and 0, 20 knockouts, 5-5, five, five, 67 and a half inch reach. He's 29 years old. He last beat Nonito Denaire by second round knockout in June of this year. And Butler, he's 34 and two of 15 knockouts, 5'6, five, six, 65 inch reach, 34 years old. He last beat Jonah Sutton by decision in April of this year. Now, you mentioned Emmanuel Rodriguez. That's their one of their common opponents. And Rodriguez, he beat Butler by unanimous decision in 2018. But he lost to Inoue by a second round knockout in 2019. They asked him what he thought of this fight. He said he would be surprised if it goes longer than five. Now, Butler, he's only been stopped once back in 2015. But since his loss in 2018 to Rodriguez, his quality of opposition just hasn't been there. And to put it simply for this fight, he just he has very little margin for error. He has to do everything right. And even if he does everything right, it still probably won't be good enough. Uh, whereas Inouye, on the other hand, Inouye could very well knock him out with a punch that maybe wasn't even meant to be a knockout punch. He's just that sharp and he's that powerful at this weight class. 
I just don't think Inouye will be as zealous to finish this as maybe he was with Donaire. Because in that fight, there was mutual respect, but Donaire had really, really pushed him to the edge in that first fight. But this one, I think he's just going to go in there and, and do what the monster do. And I think he's just going to break him down pretty early. I'm going to agree with you, Will. Not a whole lot of intrigue in terms of the predictions this, this week, but I think he's going to stop him in three. Yeah, I have to agree with you guys. I think um, Paul Butler, yeah, you know, tough little fighter, you know, tough guy. Um, and he did show that in the Emmanuel Rodriguez fight because the Rodriguez, he, he's definitely a puncher. You saw what Rodriguez did against, I believe, Gary Antonio Russell. But the thing is, he's, Rodriguez is not the finisher that Nui is. When Nui gets you hurt, he finishes you. And even in that, in the uh, Donaire fight, Donaire is more because Donaire also has that way about him where he can catch guys in the com combination and put them, you know, out. Uh, I think Nui had to be careful in that fight also. But with Butler, one thing I just can't ignore is that dude, his head stays right there. Like it doesn't really move, he has his hands up. But, you know, these guys, they, they, it's not like they got, like, big fists, like, heavyweights. They can get through those little, you know, those uh, guards. So, I mean, Butler's head is not going anywhere, and I think that's a, 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 a just a bad look, you know, against someone like uh, Anui. So I'm going to pick the monster. I say take him out of there by the second round. Hmm. Anything else you guys have before we wrap things up? Oh, sir, I, I think we might have a, a knockout of the year contender next week when uh, uh, the monster uh, get done. I think so, too. Unless he just hit the guy like with a body shot or something like that, and then he get him out of there. Or the referee, you know what I mean? Because he's one of those little dudes. He like the little cornflake dude. You know what I'm saying? Lamana. Once he started getting hit, referee might already be in there like, this is a mismatch. So I ain't going to let this I ain't gonna let this happen on my watch. You understand what I'm saying? So, yeah. We'll see, but it's it, it's it's looking like it based on the styles, based on the skills. Like this, very well could be knockout of the year. But I tell you what, though, I prefer watching that over that day gonna fight out there in Omaha. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is that it, fellas? We can we wrap things up? Yeah, yeah. That is oh, it, man. Hey, man, you fellas have a great week, Danny. Safe travels back to uh, VA. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, I think that was a pretty good episode. Yep, yep. yep. And I think yep, we out. Yep. yep. Peace. Peace.